this is Vision Sunday. We, we try to do one of these at sort of towards the start of every year. And it's a combination of two things. It's a combination of sort of a business meeting where I give you like a little bit of a report of what's happened in the last year. And it's also sort of just casting a vision for, um, for the upcoming year. Um, Bill, Bill texted me this a minute ago. I, I just had to laugh at it. I knew, I, I knew what he meant. He said, saw this from my notes last year, Vision Sunday 2021. So this was a year ago. Past my challenge, and this comes out of, I think, Joshua. My challenge was to set yourselves apart for his glory. Watch him do wonders around us. <laughs> 2020, I'm, not, I'm not sure if 2021 was a year of seeing all kinds of amazing wonders, but the Lord was definitely at work. It was a, it was a year of preparation, I feel like. Um, I feel like a, a year of consecrating and sifting, refining. Um, we met as a leadership team about a, a couple of weeks ago talking through what, what's the word that sums up 2021. You know, in some years it's, you know, just a, re a real encouragement. Our word for 2021 was we survived, survival. We held our ground and we came out, sometimes maybe not unscarred, but we're here, and we're in the house of the Lord, and the Lord is good, and the Lord has been doing things, and the Lord has been at work in us and through us. Even when we haven't seen it, God has been at work, and it's just been, it's been two years of just a very, very, very difficult season. It's obviously, it's stupid to say that because we all know that. We hear it on the news all the time, but here we are, a new year ahead, um, some things that we've um, that I just want to share with you. I want to go over our mission statement. I want to remind us of this. This is why we exist as a church, why we're here as a church family. Can we say this together? Can we repeat this together? We exist to honor Jesus Christ, the King, and to expand his kingdom in our community and around the world. And we, we've summed that up into a lot shorter of a phrase. You see it if you're outside there at the welcome table. We've summed it up into the phrase, for the King and his kingdom. That's why we exist. So here's the bad news. We don't exist for you. This church is not here for you. It's not here to meet your needs. It's not here to, to tailor to your preferences. It's not here to make you feel better. Hopefully all of that is a good byproduct, but it's not for you. You are not the purpose of this church. I am not the purpose of this church. One purpose, and that is to honor the presence of the king, to do what he says, and to expand his kingdom. So here's some things by the numbers. And I think this may start, like, advancing automatically. That's kind of scary. Um, oh, wait. Yeah, it is. Okay. Uh, and, and from the beginning, we have said um, there's, we, want, we want to carry out our mission in, in three unique ways. We want to be a, a worshiping family that hosts the Holy Spirit of God. That's been our drive. Our ambition from day one is, um, is to, to be a family, like you feel, like, you know, kids and old and young. And we want the Holy Spirit of God to be here. We want every time we gather to be all about the presence. Um, so that's what we've been trying to cultivate from the beginning. We also want to be a house of prayer, not just to have a house of prayer. We want to have it, but we want to be it. We want to be a people that pray and fast and awakening a generation for kingdom renewal. We also want to be um, an apostolic mission. We want to, to send people out with, um, with power for ministry. 
We want you to discover your unique gifts. We want you to discover Acts kind of power, dunamis kind of power, and, and to live that out in the way that Jesus calls us to. So th- these are sort of three expressions of our mission. It's what we want to do um, from, from 2018, August or October of 2018, when we began up until this point. That mission hasn't changed. We always come back and say, you know, Lord, help us to carry this out. So um, here's part of the part of the, the numbers from last year. For those of you that like numbers, math people, the rest of you, you can just go to sleep. Dream of, dream of chili and baked potatoes with bacon. Uh, we, had 100, we, have 100, we had 122 people, individuals on the roster. The roster does not mean membership. It just means people that we know are part of our tribe, part of our family, ones that you know, regularly come barring sickness, barring travel, those kind of things that are part of, our, part of our family. We have 122 individuals on that. We had six this last year that made KC 101 commitments. That's a membership commitment. The ones that have said, yeah, I want to go deeper. I want to commit to this family. We had six of those, I think, this last summer. We had $147,000 in total giving in total giving, tithes, offerings uh, from your generosity. That's, that's quite remarkable for, for a church of 122 individuals. Let me just say thank you for that. Those of you that have been, been giving, that have been tithing, thank you for your faithfulness in that. The Lord is, the Lord is honored and he's, he's blessed our church through you. Keep doing that. Uh, those of you that have not made the commitment to start tithing, Please so into this house. God, God will honor. God will honor you through that. Um, we did have three hundred and two thousand in total income. And you're asking, well, where, does, where did that extra a hundred and or that extra hundred and fifty-five thousand dollars come from? It came from selling mugs of coffee. <laughs> no, not really, but that'd be awesome. We give the coffee away. That, that extra money comes from renting out space to three, four other organizations in our building. We've got a big space. We cannot manage all of it by ourselves. So um, we have rented out space in the last couple of years to the provision school and counseling offices upstairs. There are some dear friends that, that operate upstairs. Um, Growth Point is a, another congregation that meets on Sunday afternoons here in the sanctuary. Lexington Christian Fellowship uh, this last spring also started meeting on Saturday nights here um, at, at King's Church and also Classical Conversations, uh, which my family is a part of and several of you are a part of that as well. Um, they have a, meet here one day a week as well. So all of that together brings, um, brings in that extra income. We had $302,000 in total income. Our debt load went from about, uh, I'd say, 680 down, 690 down to 645,000. The sum of that, the entirety of our debt, is in a mortgage on this property. We have no debt apart from the mortgage. Um, we have a commitment not to go in debt, also, and we've been able to pay our debt down a good $50,000 or so. So we now owe 645 on this building. That. Um, is worth about $6 million in assets on this, this, this place here. So that's it, yeah. So that's, um, that's kind of just a real quick snapshot of where we are, of where we've been. Let me give you some projected 
income. And I don't, we haven't normally done this, but it may be helpful to know that. So if you remember last year, $147,000 in total giving. Um, Yeah, uh, okay. Hold on a second, I'm confusing myself, okay. I think this is still about 2021. It is, okay. So last year, um, there was uh, some one-time gifts given to the church for $43,000, that we did not account in. Yeah, to that. I want to skip on to this because it's all parts of what. Okay. Here's what I wanted you to see. If um, last year we averaged about twenty-one thousand three hundred dollars a month in income from rental sources, from your giving, we factored out those one-time gifts because that can throw things off. So we averaged about twenty-one thousand three hundred a month. That breaks down into two categories. Facility rental, we get about $9,500 a month in from the sources that I mentioned from those, from those organizations, um, which leaves about $11,800 on average per month from tithes and offerings. So we've based our budget um, on, on that figure there. We are calculating 21300 for our income, we're not, we're not expanding that. We're just going to believe that last year was a good indication of, of what the Lord will continue to do. So we're not, we're not greatly overreaching. Um, 21000 breaks down into, it goes, we spend that money in several ways. The bulk of it goes to facilities. Obviously, this is a big place. It takes a lot of, a lot of money to operate it. 13000 a month, roughly goes out towards facilities, which would include the mortgage, which would include insurance, utilities, um, repairs, money that we've set aside for repairs, money that we will continue to set aside for repairs. This is an aging building that, that needs some, <laughs> some ongoing, ongoing work, so we're budgeting enough to kind of do some improvements. We've done many of those last year. I mentioned the one-time gifts of 43500 You're wondering what happened to that? We were able to use that to replace about a third, a quarter, a third of the flat roof that goes over this education wing. That's an old roof that continually leaks, and we've been able to replace about a quarter of that. We've been able to pay cash for that to replace that flat portion. By God's grace, we're going to continue to do um, sections of that at a time as God enables. We've also been able to do some much-needed repairs to, um, to our HVAC system. We've got how many, Bill? We've got how many different systems here? We've got a lot, 13 different HVAC unit systems in this building, all the way from old school boilers, gas-fired boilers, to conventional furnaces and everything in between. So we want to set money aside and slowly begin to, to, um, to continue to improve those. So that's 13000 We've got 4500 budgeted for child care and staff uh, stipends, the, the, the majority of, of that, we pay for, we've been paying for childcare from the very beginning. We made a commitment um, because we have so many volunteers that, that come and serve that, listen, we've got to take care of our kids or we'll get nothing done. So we have, um, we've got a great team of, of people that um, help with our, our children, 
with our childcare, not just on Sundays, um, Sunday mornings, but at other times as well. There's also some small staff stipends in there that we're able to give. Um, $2,800 for operations. This would be for uh, just different ministries, uh, youth and children, discipleship, those kind of things as well. And then we're going to increase our giving to $1,000 a month. Um, I'll tell you a little bit about what we've given to in the past or on, on this next slide, but we are, we're, about, we're, we're quadrupling our, our giving budget. Last year, we gave on average about $250 a month. We just felt that's not enough. We want to be a we want to be a giving church, so we made that commitment that we want to give $1,000 a month to, to global missions, to, um, to local and regional missions as well. So that's our, that's our commitment to do that. Um, that's just a real quick snapshot. If you, if you want to know more details about finances, we will gladly share that with you. Come and talk to an elder. Elders, raise your hands up. Where are you? Raise your hand up. You can come and talk to one of them. Um, and I'll share with you, there's, a, there's a, a, a URL that people can access information, and I'll tell you what that is after the service. Um, you can get some information on that. So those are our projected income and expense. We're believing for this. God has been so faithful. Let me hit some highlights from this last year. These small text, but you may not be able to see it. Just some things that we were, were praising God for and celebrating for. We did 28 days of prayer again this last year. That was a four-week prayer and fasting campaign that we did together as a church. We were also able to do harp and bowl training. If you're not familiar with harp and bowl, uh, the harp and bowl model, uh, it's a model of intercessory and devotional prayer. If, you're, if you've ever heard of IHOP Kansas City, the house of prayer in Kansas City, they really have developed the harp and bowl model. It's, it's a model that we are uh, wanting to integrate into our own prayer house as well. So we did some training for that, how, how to integrate prayer and worship together. And we did some training last spring on that. We're going to do more training this year for that, but um, we're, we're excited about that. We also hosted the School of Reform with Brandon Gatson and a number of other um, national speakers and musicians. They came, I think, in, was that in March or May of last spring? Um, and we were able to, to be the host for that and to help serve with that as well. We did our own conference on Bridal 2021 with Pastor Todd Smith of North Georgia Revival. He came in, in late September, and we baptized a good, I'd say, 60, 65 people, immersing them for healing and saw many, many testimonies of that. Uh, many of you were there. Many of you were baptized as well. So praise God for that. We also had some monthly nights of worship. We call it Unbridled Nights of Worship. We made a commitment, I think, in, in the summer. We want to do this every month. Um, so on, on the, I believe it's the third Friday of every month, we're going to come together. We did. We um, come together, and we're going to continue to do that for a night of worship here at King's Church. We did a, a, our second class of Kingdom Boot Camp. That's a four-week class that explores supernatural ministry. How do you walk in kingdom power? How do you do the things that Jesus did in the power of the Holy Spirit? So we walked through that over four weeks. Next column, we also welcome Lexington Christian Fellowship, the church I mentioned to you. This is a beautiful congregation that meets on Saturday nights here. So we welcome, they came in, I think in, in March or so. Just a beautiful family. We're also partnered with LCF to do, this is not up here, but to do a Christmas Eve service. And we had, I'd say about 300 people here for Christmas Eve service. 
Um, we also supported a missionary family, Tommy and Cheryl O'Neill. They were here last week uh, visiting us. If you, if you didn't get a chance to meet them, he spoke last spring. They've been missionaries to, um, to, to the Gambia in Africa. We've supported them. We also supported City for the Nations, Miles Phelps um, and that missions organization. We're going to continue to support City for the Nations. We're going to increase our giving to them. We just have a heart for what they're doing. They're local. We love their heart. Um, so we're going to continue to build that relationship. We've served at Lighthouse Ministry two times a week. Jackie, where are you? Raise your hands up. She has been spearheading this. I love it. And we want you to go. We want you to be involved. We want you to bring, you know, if you've got teens, bring a team with you. We need more volunteers because, again, we have increased our commitment to help them in greater ways um, on, on two Tuesday nights per month. So there's a homeless ministry in, in Lexington that we're, we're supporting. We've also had some worship team developments. Our worship team has grown significantly in the past 12 months with the addition, with the, just the addition of a number of, of incredible leaders. You know, we've, we've sort of consecrated Lydia and Jamie to, to, to lead us in that. We're thankful for those. And there's just, it seems like there's more development happening, more people that are coming into the team. I'm so thankful, Lydia, for what you guys bring to it. It's your heart, their hearts for ministering to the heart of God is unparalleled. I've, I've not encountered anyone with a greater desire for that and love for that. I'm eager to see where that's gonna go. We've made some significant improvements to our facility. I mentioned the, uh, the roof and the improvements, but this room here was a big deal. Do you guys remember what it looked like? Six months ago, it was... Nickelodeon colors and a slide and all kinds of things and Barney, Barney the dinosaur purple on the walls. Um, and we made a big effort in November, December to get this remodeled so we could move in here for winter worship. So we're excited about that. We also, most significantly, we commissioned three new elders. Where are my elders? Can we stand up? Can we honor you guys this morning? We bless you. We thank you. They jumped in. They jumped into the fire to just in right at the right time. And um, I'm so thankful for them. And we're just we're grateful for their wisdom and their leadership. Okay. So those are some highlights from 2021. Isn't that good? Awesome. Yeah. Hey, let's pray over this, and then we're going to keep moving. So Lord, we thank you. Thank you for your testimonies of your faithfulness. Thank you for the reports of what you've done, even in a time of difficulty, even in times of plague and disruption, you are still building your church. You're still building your people. You're still advancing your kingdom. And we tell you, thank you. We tell you, awesome. Way to go. We love you. Do it again for your glory. Amen. Okay. That's the business side of stuff. It's really quick, but I wanted to do that. But I want to share with you from the Word something that's been stirring up in me. And I don't think I got this up on all of the graphics. Let me think. I may let, I may let the, y'all in the back pull this up. 
Okay, can we do that? I want to I pass off, Jonathan, this. I'll come back to this. I'll take it over in a minute. But I want to give this to you. Would you mind throwing in a Bible reference, um, new, uh, NIV version from Genesis chapter 26? Just put the whole chapter up there. Because I really want, I really want us to, to see this, have eyes on this. I wish I could explain to you the, um, the journey my own heart has been, been on just in, in the last several months, the last several weeks, just the hunger that the Lord is, is stirring up in me for his own presence and how, oddly enough, how he's, he's diminishing other things that seem to take, that seem to preoccupy me. He just seems to be really zeroing in in on one thing. And Vision Sunday, the, the collective wisdom is, the, the traditional path is, is you've got, you know, a, a real powerful vision, you know, for the next year, for the next three years, for the next five years, and you've got all these different things that you want to do and all the steps, and you've got a, a committee for this and a task force for that. I can be honest with you, I don't have any of that. And we, we, we met together as a leadership team two, what, two weeks ago or so. And we normally, we normally set goals. We normally will go, hey, your, your, your ministry area, what are your goals and the steps to get there? What are your goals and the steps to get there? We didn't do that this year. We felt like the Lord had said, no, no goals. You know, because I'm beginning to see in this season just how pointless it can be to make a goal. And we have no idea what's in store. I could not tell you where we will be in five years as a church. It would be like, like just throwing, you know, a bunch of tacks at a dartboard and saying, I have no idea where we're going to be in five years. I have no idea where we'll be in three years. I don't know. I don't have any kind of strategic vision for in five years, we're going to be 200 people and we're going to look like this. And we're going to, I, have, I feel like the Lord has just pulled any of that out of me. I really just have one vision, and that's just to hunger after the Lord with all that I have, to seek his face, to hear what he's saying, and to do it with all of my might. If I can just have one vision, that's just to be in the presence of the Lord and to pull, pull people with me, then that's all I want to do. If we can say at the end of 22 that we did that, that's awesome. That's good. And even if it's no more than us, even if it's no more than your beautiful faces here five years from now, but we felt the presence of the Lord, we sought the presence of the Lord, we've honored him, then we will be a successful church, maybe not in the eyes of the world, but in the eyes of the Lord. He doesn't want somebody who has a success plan, who has a master strategy. He wants somebody who is just so broken before him and so hungry for his presence that he can say, that's a church that I can move through. But I do want to point you to a, a really a weird chapter in Genesis. And you may be thinking, why in the world are we here? What is this? And I can't explain it. All I know is two weeks ago, the Lord said, Genesis 26, 25. I'm like, what? He said 26, 25. And so I, I, I went there. I, I've read this before. I've actually taught on it once before a long time ago in the context of a father, I don't know, Father's Day or something else like this. I've not even thought about this thing in, in a decade or more. The Lord said, Genesis 26, 25. And it says this, um, I'll read 25 to you and then we're gonna go backwards and give you the context. Isaac built an altar there 
I'll wait. We're going to pull it up over here real quick. Genesis 26, chapter 26, verse 25. That's chapter 26, verse 1. That's good. We'll come back to that. Jump to 25. Perfect. Thank you, guys. Thank you, Kaylee. This is what it says, one verse. Isaac built an altar there and called on the name of the Lord. There he pitched his tent, and there his servants dug a well. That's what we call historical narrative. That's not theology. That's just history. It's a fact. It's a statement of what happened with one guy named Isaac. And it is easy to kind of flip past it, but the, I feel like the Lord pulled me back to the, that and said, Brad, isn't this what you wanted to do? Isn't this what, what you've had in your heart is this what I placed in your heart three and a half years ago for this church? Like, what are you, what are you talking about? I begin to look at this. I begin to see that's actually, this is kind of, it, it's 100% what, what we're wanting to do. We're wanting to build an altar here and call on the name of the Lord. Wanting to be a place where the fire of God falls. We're, we're wanting our gatherings to be altars we're not, wanting, we're not wanting them to be, to be you know, um, uh, lecture halls. We're not wanting them to be, you know, self-help centers. We're wanting Sunday mornings, every time we gather, to be a, a place where we offer ourselves to the Lord and his fire comes and consumes it in a perfect offering of sacrifice. We want, we want, we want to offer up worship because his presence is here. That's what we want. I was like, that's what I want to do. Lord, I want to build an altar here in Lexington for your presence. And he called upon the name of the Lord. Look at the second thing, though. It says there he pitched his tent. Okay, what is a tent? That's, that's, where you, that's your dwelling place. where you live, right? That's, that's your, you, you don't just have a tent for you and your family. If you're Isaac, if you're a patriarch, you've got what? You've got a big, you've got all of your, all of your tribe, all of your people, your ser- you've got everybody in this together. You've got your what? Your community. I feel like the Lord says, not only do I want you to have a place of, you know, a place of worship in my presence, Brad, but I want you to create a community of people that are hungry for that. I want you to, to, to pitch a tent here in Lexington, a community of people that are so desperate for something, not something different. We don't want to be different for different sake. We, God forbid we ever be different for different sake. We don't want to be new and novel. We actually want to be old school. We want the ancient path. We, but to have a community of people that are so hungry for the, for, the, for, the, for the ancient way of hungering after the presence of the Lord and being a biblical church. And the Lord said, I want you to build a house where people can come in and dwell in a community in that place. Amen? That's what we want to do. It's what I want to do too. And it says this, and there his servants dug a well. All right. We'll talk about that. So, Flip back to the beginning of Genesis 26. Weird stuff. Now, it begins this way. Now, there was a famine in the land. Now, there was a famine in the land. About to preach on that one alone. There's a famine in the land. There's desolation. There's an absence of nourishment. There's suffering. 
And where there's suffering, there's often chaos and conflict and division. And we're in a culture that is dying of spiritual malnourishment. And Isaac, if you know the story, Isaac is the, the, the miracle child. He's the, the, the son, the promised son of Abraham. And it says, there was a famine in the land besides the previous famine in Abraham's time. So this is the second time it's happened. Abraham is living, or Isaac is living in Canaan. He's living in the promised land. And Isaac went to Abimelech, king of the Philistines in Gerar. So all that to say is Isaac says, there's no water to be found. We can't water our crops. We can't take care. We've got to go somewhere else. So he leaves that area where he is, sort of in central Canaan, and he heads to the west of Israel towards the, the, the Mediterranean Ocean along that coastal plain, along that, that, that coast on the, on the west side that's occupied by the Philistines. Philistines are, are tri, a, sort of a coastal people, a, a warfaring people, a seagoing people. They've mastered their navy, and they have been provoking Israel um, you know, for, from, since the beginning. They've been nothing but trouble. We're going to find out all the way to David's time. They're still provoking. Isaac goes there. He goes to Abimelech, king of the Philistines, because he needs water. He needs, he needs to get out of the famine. See this here. The Lord appeared to Isaac. This is essential here. Just as God appeared to Abraham, now God shows up to, to Isaac. I believe that God wants to give every generation a fresh encounter with himself. Those of you that are young, teenagers, young adults, God does not want you to live on your parents' bread. He wants to give you fresh encounters. He wants to become your living revelation as well. So Isaac goes, and the Bible says the Lord appeared to Isaac. He says, don't go to Egypt. Live in the land I'm going to tell you. Stay in this land for a while, and I will be with you and will bless you. For to you and your descendants, I will give all these lands and confirm the oath I swore to your father. Does this sound familiar? This is the same promise that God made to who? Abraham. The same one he made in Genesis 12. And God is saying, okay, your father's dead, but my promise remains the same. I'm going to offer the same thing to you, Isaac. Stay here. Trust me. Go where I say to go. Do what I say to do. I'll make your descendants as numerous as the stars in the sky and will give them all these lands and through your offspring, all nations will be blessed. So, verse six, so Isaac stayed in Gerar. So there's a choice to make. Wow, think about those five words. Choice to make. Destinies depend on your decisions to follow the Lord. The legacy of your family hinges on your ability to say yes to God. God will speak. He'll show himself up to you. He will, but you have to make that choice. Am I going to say yes to what he's calling me to do? Am I going to say yes to his way? So Isaac stays there. So he falls into some similar traps. I don't want to read all of this. Basically, he's, he's married to a beautiful woman, just like his dad was married to a beautiful woman. His dad was afraid that all the other guys are going to want his beautiful woman. So he said, hey, beautiful wife, pretend like you're my sister. I don't want them to do it. He got in trouble. Isaac falls into the same trap all over again, begins to lie, gets himself in trouble. God has grace for that anyway. Verse 12, Isaac planted crops in that land. So they're in, they're, they're, in that, they're in that area in Gerar. Isaac planted crops in that land in the same year, reaped a hundredfold because the Lord blessed him. Because the Lord blessed him. Why did the Lord bless him? Because he had Isaac's yes. Verse 18, Isaac reopened the wells that had been dug in the time of his father Abraham. 
We're going to be paying attention to wells. That's where we're going with this. I've actually highlighted it all in this chapter every time I see that word in my, in my Bible because this is all about wells. Isaac, Isaac reopened the wells that had been dug in the time of his father Abraham, which the Philistines had stopped up after Abraham died. So his father had been to the same region 75 years before, had the same conversation with another king with a similar name, Abimelech, had the same kind of situation. He began to dig these wells. He begins to find water. He lives there for a long time. Eventually, Abraham's gone. The Philistines are annoyed by this. They begin to dump concrete or rock or dirt into the wells, and they stop them up. And Isaac comes back 75 years and begins to dig these things up again. Hey, my father, my father dug these wells. My father dug these wells. He begins to return The Lord blessed him. The man became, okay, so we read the Philistines stopped and filling up. Um, then Abimelech said to Isaac, move away from us. You have become too powerful for us. So as soon as these wells are reopened, there's some pushback. There's jealousy that emerges. So this first well pushed back from jealousy. Isaac says, okay, listen, listen, I don't want trouble. I'll go somewhere else. So Isaac moved away from there and encamped in the valley of Gerar where he settled. And he reopens the wells that had been dug in the time of his father Abraham, which the Philistines had stopped up. And he gave them the same names that his father had given him. Verse 19 His servants dug in the valley and discovered a well of fresh water. Another translation calls that living water because it's actually a spring. It's not just the collected rainwater from the region. You know, if you know much about geology, you'll know that some rainwater kind of comes down. I was, was, during during all this um, snow recently, it was by my driveway. And in my driveway off to the side is a little rock formation with a hole going into the ground. And in years past, dens of foxes would live in there. We used to watch the, the kits come out at, at night. And, um, but I've not seen them in recent years. But during this particular day, I'm out here, and all the snow is melting, and I hear this gushing sound. And I go, and like I see all this water from the whole field gushing and pouring into this little hole in the ground. It's not filling up. It's just disappearing down into this cavernous expanse that's underneath my whole yard. And a lot of wells in, 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 in the ancient Near East would have sort of their sources would be that, but not this one. This is a living well. This is a, a, a spring water, an artesian well. Um, so he discovers this well of fresh water there. How exciting that is. Like yeah, awesome stuff. This is the best water. But the herders of Gerar quarreled with those of Isaac and said, the water is ours. We own this. We got the mineral rights. Who do you think you're doing? They're chasing them away. And this other, you know, this sort of this, now this well, there's another source of conflict with this. Like we're, we're thirsty for this, but we keep running into these obstacles. The enemy keeps throwing things our way. And it, now it wasn't just jealousy. Now it's actually argumentation. Now it's actually conflict. You know, one translation of the Hebrew word is actually lawsuit, you know. And Isaac called, so they quarreled over it. So he named the well Isek, which means dispute, which means lawsuit or conflict because they disputed with him. So what does Isaac do? He's persistent, got to have water. 
He's going to go. He's going to dig another well. So they dug another well, but they quarreled over that one as well. So he named it Sitna. Sitna means opposition. This is even getting worse. Now this is about, this is about accusation, you know, opposing and accusing us. So this is the, 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 third, it's the third well that he's dug. He goes on and digs another one, and no one quarrels over it, finally. He named it Rehoboth, which means room or means wide open spaces. And he said, now the Lord has given us room and we will flourish in the land. So he runs into jealousy. He runs into arguments. He runs into accusations. And he finally has room enough. But what's interesting is that God's not done with that yet. There's another well that he wants him to dig. And verse 33 says, from there he went up to Beersheba. And that night the Lord appeared to him. This is the second time that he's appeared, just as he appeared to, to, um, to Abraham. The Lord shows up to him. Anybody been having just strange dreams recently? Okay. Meg had one last night. The Lord directed her to find something that was lost, and she woke up and found it. I had an unusual dream too. I'm not sure yet what it means. But we both asked the Lord this morning, Lord, increase our dreams. Increase our dreams. Sometimes the Lord appearing to you may not be a body standing in front of you at the foot of your bed. But the Lord appeared to Isaac and said, I am the God of your father Abraham. Do not be afraid for I'm with you. I will bless you and I will increase the number of your descendants for the sake of my servant Abraham. There's something about the placement of this that has me curious. Why did God show up in that moment? I guess after digging four wells, you're a little bit skittish. You're a little bit jumpy. After the year we've all had, the two years we're all had, we're all a little bit jumpy. We're afraid to, to, to move forward in some of God's promises. And God shows up and says, don't be afraid. Listen, I was faithful to your dad. I'm going to be faithful to you. And again, verse 25, Isaac built an altar there and called on the name of the Lord. He worshiped experiences God. He encounters God. And he pitched his tent. And there his servants dug a well. And Isaac says, this is where I'm staying, right here. I'm staying in the place where I'm encountering the living God. I'm staying where God is. If this is where God is, this is where I want to be. So he built an altar pitches a tent, sets up camp, and he digs a well. And wouldn't you know it, 
not very far after, guess who comes drifting his way? The king who had kicked him out from the first well said, go on, you're, you're, you're too strong, you're too great, get out of here. The king now comes back. Abimelech had come to him from Gerar. Isaac asked him, why have you come to me since you are hostile to me and sent me away? They answered, we saw clearly that the Lord was with you. So we said, there ought to be a sworn agreement between us. Isaac, I'm sorry. Listen, listen, we made a mistake. The hand of God is clearly with you. Can we align with you? Because the favor of God is on you. Let us make a treaty with you that you will do us no harm, just as we did not harm you, but always treated you well. Eh, not really, but it's okay. And sent you away peacefully. Eh, okay. And now you're blessed by the Lord. So Isaac had several decisions he could make. He could have kicked them out. Could have laughed at them. But it says this in 30. He made a feast for them, and they ate and drank. And that's the heart, that's the response of a heart that encounters God. The next morning, the men swore an oath at each other. Not a bad one. It's a good one. This is like clasping hands, clasping shoulders, eye to eye. You are my brother. Call on me. Then Isaac sent them on their way, and they went away peacefully. Pay attention to what's happening here. This well that was stopped up because of jealousy, this well that was stopped up because of argumentation, this well that was stopped up because of accusation, finally finds one. Listen, I got enough room now. But God says, no, that's not enough. There needs to be wells dug for restoration. Verse 32, that day, Isaac's servants came and told him about the well that they had dug. They said, we found water. And he called it Sheba, or Oath. And to this day, the name of the town has been Beer Sheba. One of the largest cities now in the nation of Israel is Beer Sheba. So here's, my thinking is this. My thinking is not just that the Lord wants us to have a place that hosts his presence. He does. That's, our, that's, our, that's the driving ambition of our church. He also wants us to be a community, a family, like we have a tent. He wants that tent to be open. That's another driving ambition. But I feel like the Lord is saying, I want you to begin to dig some wells. Wells being sources of living water for the people around you. And I think there's a couple things to that. One of them is maybe to begin to dig some old wells that have been stopped up in addition to new ones. And let me take you to two other places real quick. Amos 8 says this. It's, it's not up here, but I'll read it to you. 
The days are coming, declares the sovereign Lord, when I will send a famine through the land. Not a famine of food or thirst for water, but a famine of hearing the words of the Lord. People will stagger from sea to sea and wander from north to east, searching for the word of the Lord, but they will not find it. Can I suggest that we're in that season where there's such a dearth, such an absence, an emptiness of truth and reality, where the deception is so profound in our land and people are so hungry for what is real and true? Can I suggest that we are in a time of spiritual famine? And then to Isaiah 43, I told you several weeks ago, the Lord has me in these four chapters, Isaiah 41, 2, 3, 4. He has me just soaking in these. God's mercy, his faithfulness, writing to a generation, writing to a people that will be in their own time of famine, in their own time of isolation, in their own time of brokenness. The Lord is promising hard days are coming, but he's also promising his faithfulness is gonna be there too. So listen to what it says in Isaiah 43. It says this, forget the former things. Do not dwell on the past. See, I'm doing a new thing. Now it springs up. Do you not perceive it? I'm making a way in the wilderness and streams in the wasteland. And those streams are metaphor for something more than just water. Verse 44, one chapter later says this, for I will pour water on the thirsty land and streams on the dry ground. I will pour out my spirit. Here's the metaphor. Not just, not, it's not just H2O, dihydrogen oxide. Is that what it is? It's not just that. But what are we really hungry for? The spirit of God, the giver of truth. I will pour my spirit on your offspring and my blessing on your descendants. I want to take this back over now, guys, up there. So what, what, I, what I believe this means for us is is to continue to cultivate a hunger for the presence of the Lord and begat, begin to dig up dig up those, those, those wells of revival that the Lord is calling us to. I'm convinced that there's, there's, no, there's no alternative for the season our culture is in apart from radical spiritual revival. This is not a government political issue. This is a move of God. Lydia and Jim, musicians, you guys can come on up too. So I'm just going to wrap this up very quickly with this. 
I'm a slave to technology here right now. I'll let you guys do it in the back. Is that okay? I think the next slide is after that Genesis 26, 25 verse. Pull up the next one here. So this, this was my, my challenge last year was pretty specific. Well, I'll tell you this here. Yeah, let's do this. My challenge, let's be an altar of the living God, a place where the fire falls. I want this more than life itself. I want this more than anything. I'm so tired of church as usual. I'm so tired of just the emptiness that the world offers. I'm just so hungry for his, for his presence, a place where God's fire comes and moves. Can we commit to be that as families, as individuals, as a church to say, Lord, I want your presence here. I want, I want to, I want a habit, I want to be a habitation of the most high God. I don't want to just hear about your presence in other places. I want to experience it for myself day in and day out. I want us to make that commitment that that when we come together, this is a sacred space, this is a sacred time. You know, that doesn't mean that we're legalistic. It doesn't mean that, you know, we don't enjoy the presence of the Lord. That's not true. There's joy in the Holy Spirit. But I want it just to be a, a sacred space where we just say, Holy Spirit, come. Come and, and minister whatever you want to do. That's the only vision I have, is to seek after the heart of God and to do what he says. That's it. That's all I, that's all I know to do in this new year. I don't know what else to do. To be a, a, an altar of the living God, a place where the fire falls. Also this, let's do this. Let's commit together to this. This next one is what? It's getting there. Jonathan, Kaylee, will that come up, y'all? This next slide. There we go. Let's expand our tents, a community where the lost and broken find hope and healing. I don't want us to become sort of insulated where it's, it's us for no more. That's not, that's not who God is. God says, make a tent that's wide, expanding. I had that vision, a dream, um, what, a year and a half ago where I just saw the Lord calling us to go to the outside of our tents and begin to pull it, to grab a corner. I saw all of you around it pulling the corners of the tent. It was pulling it so much it was straining the seams of the tent up at the top and I saw the seams begin to break and the tent was being ripped open but I also saw that as the tent was being ripped open that there was a, a water that was just pouring in rain just healing rain that was coming into the tent and the farther that we would pull it the wider the tent would get and the more people would come in and just receive healing from the presence of the Lord I feel like the Lord is saying I want, I want let's expand our tents a community where the lost and broken find hope and healing and then this let's do this let's begin to Dig up wells, old and new, of the spirit of revival. I want to challenge you to cultivate hunger for revival. Cultivate hunger for revival. Do it, do it in practical ways. If you haven't, you know, get, get, begin to read some of the old revivalists. Begin to read some of the ones, you know, like, like A.W. Tozer and, and Smith Wigglesworth and some of these others that just said had a radical hunger for the Lord. It will stir it up in you. Cultivate that. It will not just fall upon you mysteriously. You've got to cultivate that hunger you know, if you want to be hungry, what do you do? You go and you look at a menu. You look at recipe books. You say, I want that, you know? And that begins, you begin to, to hunger and thirst for it. Let's, let's begin to dig those up. Soak in the presence of the Lord. 
put on, put on worship, put on, go to listen to good podcasts. I can recommend some really good podcasts that will just make you hungry for revival. If we are hungry for revival, God cannot help but move. Amen. He cannot help but move. It's in his nature. He's like, I can't hold back. They want, they're asking for it. I want, to, I want to give it. If we don't want it, he doesn't show. The Bible says, ask, seek, and knock. If you knock, there will be open to you. If you ask, you're going to be given. If you seek, you're going to find. If we don't ask, if we don't seek, we don't knock, we're not going to get anything. doesn't mean this works. This means we can cultivate, we can stir this up in us. Let's dig up the wells, old and new, of the spirit of revival. All right, next slide is this. There are some stretch strategies and initiatives. These are not like goals, but these are some practical things that I, that I see us doing in this next year. Um, real quick, cultivate an atmosphere's presence. This, what we're doing, what we're practicing, what we want to do every time we come together. We want to connect families and hearts, family feast, what we're doing here, three by three. We'll be talking about that in the next week or so, small groups. The more that we can connect your family with other hearts, you got to be rooted in, you got to be connected together. If you feel like you're on the outside, we don't want that. We want you to go deeper. We want you to be deeper, moving into, inside the tent. We're also going to be um, sort of re, uh, reformatting our unbridled prayer room. We're remodeling one of the rooms down the hall. That's going to be our unbridled prayer room. Our goal is to be doing weekly, live pray, uh, prayer and worship sets. A set is about an hour maybe two hours where we combined um, prophetic worship and prayer with praying the word. Um, it's beautiful. We, we did it last summer. If you were a part of that, we want, our, our, our heart is beginning to do that um, every week, maybe one, two, three sessions. If that's where your heart is, we need to talk because we're, we feel like the Lord has said, that's my mandate for you is to get my house of prayer going. Begin to lift that up. Um, increase our giving and outreach. I talked about quadrupling our giving budget. We feel like the Lord is saying, just begin to pour out to others, begin to invest in others, um, and partnering with area and, co -region, and regional co-laborers, um, building relationships. Uh, and next week, I'll tell you about one of those that we're going to be doing um, in that vein as well. Um, I think that's it. So go to the next slide here as well. Here's a commitment that, that we make to you as leaders. And the commitment is the same. We make this commitment to you, elders and, and leaders here. We will align all decisions with our mission. We'll pray about the decision. Does this serve the mission that God's given us to? We will practice transparent stewardship. So we're trying to do this morning by giving you a little bit more details about the finance and offering that up to you. We want you to be aware um, of, of how we're stewarding what God has done. If you have questions, please come and talk to any, any of our elders, any of our leaders, and we'll, um, we'll, we'll share with you as much as we can. We'll cultivate honor and humility. We want to be a church of honor, a church of humility, honoring one another. So gossip, we do not have a place for gossip. Gossip will destroy a church. We cannot, we will not tolerate that um, in ourselves and in others. We'll guard the unity of this church believe that this is, a, a, this is a, a special work that God is doing in Lexington. We're honored for that. Um, we're going to guard the unity of this church, and we will work for the glory of only one. There's only one who, his name is on the sign, and it's not me. It's not any of you. It's him. So that's our commitment, leadership commitment. We do ask um, a commitment from, from you. Some of these are from last year, and they're, they're important, but the one after is the most important. We do want you to belong to the church family. We do want you to commit to this church family. You need a tribe. 
if you're not committed, if you're not plugged in. You need someone that will walk with you, lift you up, bear your burdens, sometimes look you in the eye, They'll call you out on some stuff in love. They'll care for you. We're not perfect. We're not a perfect family. We're not a perfect church. I am by far not a perfect leader. But you need, you, you need a family, so get connected. Uh, we also want you to be equipped to serve. You've got a place to serve. You've got a role to play in this church. We want to help you discover where your heart is, where your gifts are, and to get involved in serving. Um, we also want this, number three, we want you, we want, your commitment is to protect the unity of your church. So gossiping, tearing down one another, tearing down leadership. I know we're not perfect. Don't tear us down to one another. Pray for us. Protect the unity of, our, of, of your church there. Fourth thing is this, to, to support it through giving. Many of you have been doing that. If you have not, make that commitment to do it. God will honor you. God's, God promises to bless whenever we trust him. Um, with our finances. And finally, to lead your family and others into a kingdom lifestyle. Kingdom lifestyle is not Sunday morning only. It is 24-7, 24-7 honoring the king, 24-7 seeking his, his heart. All that, I want you to do that, but here's what I want you to do more than anything. It's this. I want you to pursue the presence of Jesus. I want you to commit to pursue the presence of Jesus. That's all that matters. If you do that, the other stuff falls into place. Hear me on this. I want you to daily seek his face. Every day. Gotta seek your face today. I love your presence today. Even if I don't feel it, you're not gonna feel it every day. You're not, I promise you, you're not. Do it anyway. Honor him. To daily hear his word and to do what he says with boldness and joy. This is our commitment as a church. It's my commitment to you. I want to do this.